Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. This is our final talk in our series on legacy and unchanging mission for an ever-changing world to remind ourselves uh, of who God is, what he's called us to do, and, and our part to participate with him in seeing lives, families, neighborhoods, and nations transformed. And as we're all well aware, uh, these are challenging times. In fact, if you are here last week, I said, I, I've been tempted the last couple of weeks to pull back a little bit in terms of the ask. And uh, I wasn't allowed to, not, not that I really was dealt with by the Lord to, to not let myself, my own emotions and what's going on around me. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today because these are challenging times for many of us. Uh, aside from the usual stuff of life, the usual challenges in our families and our relationships, all of that, we've had the last couple of years some real challenges in the financial system. Uh, in, in, in our incomes being challenged by inflation, by rent increases rapidly, by mortgage increases probably even more rapidly, uh, such that it's putting pressure on many, many people. Uh, I read some studies that they feel it's between $150 to $300 a month increase uh, in grocery bills alone for the average family of four. Uh, so there's been this great impact, and it's been difficult. And we all know that from uh, financial challenges, it very rarely it's just a financial issue. It puts pressure on every area of our life. And so we've been talking about this. What will we do in hard times? How will we respond? We've been talking about this for some time, that we are not, of, we are not the kind of church that withdraws in difficult times. We are not looking for a bunker to hide in. We are not looking to escape. We are not looking to run away in dark times. We're looking to be led by Jesus to go into challenging spaces, to go to difficult places, to do what is impossible for us by ourselves, to reach those that others would call unreachable, to stretch ourselves beyond where we are, to reach what God has always called us to reach. And we've been looking over these last number of weeks about this idea of a legacy, leaving a legacy not for ourselves, but for Jesus. A legacy of changed lives. A legacy of families that are different. A legacy of marriages that are shifted and changed. A legacy of the gospel transforming lives. We talked in our first week that generosity is not primarily a financial issue, it's a heart issue. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It starts with our heart. And it's important to remind ourselves that we can have money, but to make sure money doesn't have us. A couple of weeks ago, we had an interview here with, with Marvin and with, with Josh and Daniel. And we talked about, uh, and if you haven't listened or looked, looked at these, horizonfam.ca for the audio and YouTube for the video of it. But how important it is to trust God. How it, a lot of times that bottom lines our approach to uh, and dealing with money and our generosity or handling of it is do we trust God? And we, were, we heard stories of God's faithfulness and his, his goodness in lives. 
And finally, last week, I talked about being moved with the compassion of Jesus. Being moved as a, first in our heart, but then in our hands, in our feet, to do something to, in, in the world around us. Because this is a time to step up and believe that God's word is true. That he is who he says he is. That he is a provider. That he keeps his promises. You know, as I was thinking of it this week, uh, much of my approach to this issue has shifted uh, over the last number of years in a, in a more holistic way. And I look to people like uh, Kirk Duncan, who caused me to really believe in big things from God, the way that he saw a big God that could do the impossible. I think of people like Marvin Hunt, who taught me about trusting God in all situations, even when you have little to trust and believe him for big. I think of Frank Damasio, I've read dozens of his books and his approach to finances that have shifted how I theologically approach this issue. And even a lot of what I'm going to share today is reflecting not my own thoughts, but the will of God through the scripture. Because I believe that God can and will intervene in hard times. If you don't have that, you don't got hope. And if you don't have hope, you don't have much. You can and will, which means I can and should expect a turnaround through God stepping in and invading my space, invading my situation at my invitation. That's why Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, believe that heaven would invade earth. That God could open new opportunities. That God could provide in miraculous ways. That God could multiply what you have. That God could give you wisdom to handle what you have. That God would appear suddenly at times and step in powerfully and interrupt my circumstances and my life. That stepping up might be our responsibility, but stepping in is God's responsibility. Yeah, but it's hard times. Let's believe for God's intervention where he steps into our world, changing the course of our lives, changing the course and trajectory of where we're going to where he wants us to go, that he would position us for supernatural resource, that we would believe God, that he would intervene in our life and in our finances, that he would step in in a new and a significant way as we trust him. What will we do in hard times? Because the challenge of hard times is to withdraw, to hoard, to hide, to step back. But what will we do in hard times? And as followers of Jesus, we are not dictated by what goes on around us, but we are led by the Spirit of God who is in us as he's revealed it to us in his word. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word is quick, it's powerful. I pray that it would arrest us, it would redirect us, it would correct us, it would train us this morning. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 26, story of a man by the name of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. 
Abraham, his father, had been called out. He had lived in one nation, and the Lord called him out and said, go to the place where I called you because I want to bless your life. And through your life, he was prophesying that one day a redeemer would come that would bless the whole world. I want to bless you to be a blessing. Abraham passed away, and his son Isaac was in this new land where Abraham had brought his family to. And we pick it up here. Just His dad had died not many years prior to this. Genesis 26, verses 1 through 4. There was a famine. Someone say famine in the land, besides the first famine that was in the day of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. And then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath or the promise which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give your descendants all of these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth will or shall be blessed. And there's a lot in there. I'm going to focus on just, I mean, I could preach so many different ways with this topic, but we're going to talk about how do we, and what will we do in hard times? The first thing that we see, and I want to talk about the mindset that we need to approach hard times, is that hard times are not forever. They're not forever. Even my, gram, my grandma used to tell me about the Great Depression from 1929 to 1939 and how difficult it was. And it was difficult. 25 to 28% unemployment, challenging times. My grandfather would talk about how when he was very young, growing up on a farm, and he, he would sit with, up in the, put some breadcrumbs on the windowsill with a little snare and try to snare some birds so they would, they would have enough to eat. Hard times. Some of you grew up and went through the 1980s, which we talked a little bit about last week, where interest rates skyrocketed to plus 20% for mortgages, and people would walk in and hand their keys to the bank, of the keys to their house, and living... Difficult to survive, difficult in hard times. Some of you went through difficulties in the 1990s to a lesser extent. And we've all been, depending on where you've come, you might have come from nations that you're here because it was difficult there. Hard times come, but they're not always lasting forever. And we see this, there was a famine in the land when Abraham was there and his Isaac as well, but it wasn't all famine time. There were 10, in this area of the nation, or of the world, there were 10 famines over 2,000 years in a land that was ordinarily fertile. Famines are often unexpected. They're irregular. They're difficult. And we, as believers, will face famines or difficulties or hard times even when we're in the space that God has called us to be. Even when we're following him, we will face difficult times, but they will not last forever. So what's our mindset? Number one, we face hard times through a God encounter. We need a God encounter because it's not going to be by our smarts, our ability, our, our own strength, our own, our own uh, strength of character, or our own uh, ability to maintain a positive attitude. Notice it says that the Lord appeared to Isaac. 
In other words, God showed up in a powerful way. God revealed himself to Isaac. Isaac received a revelation or an understanding of who God is, and God spoke to him, and he heard the word of the Lord to him, and he responded in obedience. It's so important that we live out of a God encounter, not out of an encounter with what's going on around us. And the Lord desires to appear to you and to your family and to your situation, your business, in a powerful way in this season. He sees the difficulty and the hard time. He sees what you're facing. And I'm encouraging each and every one of us to say, God, I need you in a more powerful way. The thing about hard times is they will get our attention in a way that good times never do. And God said, we hear that, and I want you to say, Lord, would you speak to me today? Would you speak to me in hard times today? Would you speak to me in this hard season that we might be in and give me wisdom? Stir my spirit up again. Stir me to believe in faith that the impossible could be possible in my life, in my family, despite where I came from, despite the situation that I'm in, that the Lord would appear and give you a fresh encounter of his faith to believe that he is still God, that he still will provide, that he still does the impossible. He's done it before and he can do it again. He's done it for other people, so why not you? Need to face hard times by positioning yourself for blessing. In verse 3, we see God said to him, dwell in this land. In other words, don't go off to Egypt. He was preparing to go away and move off of what God had promised him. God said, I gave you this land. Don't move from this space unless I tell you to move from it. And it's okay to move into some other space if God's calling you. If God's calling you to, to Calgary, go there because he's calling you, not because your finances are calling you. It doesn't make sense to live in the lower mainland, Pastor. Don't take that up with me. Take that up with Jesus. Because there's a position, wherever you are, God can cause you to prosper. Not just in when the economics all work out, but come on, we're, how many of us have not looked over the Rocky Mountains and saw that house for 600,000 instead of 1.3 million? But we do not move position based on the pressure. We move position based only on a word from God. And God spoke to him, don't go south, don't go to Egypt, that's a mistake. In our context here, we see God moving upon Isaac in hard times, in difficulty, and seemingly failing to provide. But God is very particular about location. God has a space for you. God has a place for you. God has people for you. God has a job for you. God has a church for you. God, has God is your provider. And do not move space unless he calls you to move to that space or out of the space that you're in. Because God is in charge wherever you are. Number, number three, face hard times by seeing a God-given future. A God-given future. Because sometimes we look at our future and we say, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, I don't know how I'm going to pay for that, I don't know how I'm going to do this, I can't do that, I'm going to only survive, buckle down. That's fine. <clears throat> but look at the promise. In the middle of a famine, this is what God said to Isaac in verse 4. I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth will be, will be blessed. In other words, I can make your future more than you can imagine right now. 
Yeah, but look what's going on here and here. I can make your future more than you can imagine. Isaac was sitting in the middle of, there's famine around, there's, no, there's too much uh, sun, not enough water, the ground is not producing fruit by itself, and he's like, "Where? I've got to go. And the word of the Lord to him was, I will make your future. I will make your future more than you can imagine. I will provide for your future everything you need. I will provide for your future everything you need. And you might need to say that to yourself this morning. My provision is not my job. My provision is not my inheritance. My provision is not this or that. My provision is not my government pension. My provision is Jesus. My provision is the God of all gods. My provision is the God who can make the sun stop. My provision is the God who can cause rain to fall from, a, from, a, from the sky in the middle of a drought. I will bless you, he said, so that you can be a blessing. Face hard times by seeing your God-given future. I will make your future more than you can imagine. I will provide for your future everything you need. I will bless you so you can be a blessing. And if you're gonna be able to be a blessing, it's gonna, it means that there's more than enough for you. Lord, that you will be a blessing through me with my time, my talent, my treasure, my smile, my attitude, my belief, my whatever it might be. In hard times, in famine times, in lack times, in no rain times, in dry times, not enough, what do I do? You face that hard time and then you begin to sow your seed. Sow your seed, Genesis 26 and 12, we drop down. And it says this, and Isaac sowed. Someone say sowed in that land. What land? A land that was in drought a land that was not working for anybody else. And he said, so. He sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. You're saying, well, Craig, why are you talking about money? He's talking about seeds. Well, Paul draws an analogy in 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, where he pulls in the New Testament the same analogy about sowing. It's in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. But this I say, and this is the context, Paul was taking up an offering to help the church in another city. And so he's not talking about planting your grapes or your wheat or anything. He's talking about as we take up this offering, church, here's what I want you to know. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The giving of our finances is just like the sowing of natural seed. Just as there are laws that govern Crops and harvest, there are laws that govern financial seed sowing and financial seed harvest. Seeds are not, a seed that's not planted is a seed that's wasted. We can only control whether we sow. God can causes multiplication. But the giving of our finances and our financial seed means that we expect something to happen when the seed sows. Someone says, are you expecting that you'll be blessed? Yes. So is it gift to get? No, but it's sure not gift to lose. It's give, and God takes care of the blessing part. I let him, but my response is, I give, I sow, I sow a seed. I sow the seed given to us by God. In the same chapter, Paul drops on down, and he says this, now may he, may he who supplies now, may he who supplies 
seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. We see that who is our supplier? There it is again. God supplies. He supplies for two reasons. Bread for your food, in other words, for your daily necessities, and then he provides seed to sow so that you can have a future. Anybody seen this guy doing this? Apples. Mm. You're wondering what's going on. Daniel, can you come here, please? It's Daniel. He can catch a knife. Now, this is an apple. And you eat an apple a day to what? No offense, doctors. It's more the dentist for me. I don't like the dentist. But there's approximately, I'm not supposed to talk with my mouth. How many people could be fed by this? Maybe one. Only one if it's me because I'm not sharing. And if you're eating it, I am not going to eat it after you. Some of you are all down with that, but I'm not one of those guys. I am health aware. Some people call me germaphobe, but not me. One apple. Now, if you want an apple pie, you don't plant your apples in the morning and har harvest them at night and plant your apple pie or eat your apple pie. But sowing seed is a, in a place where things are troubling and difficult and hard, might be difficult, and all you want to do is eat what you have because that's what I have. But I want you to think, this one apple could be one meal, and when I finish it, I'm done. I'm going to get some hate mail. <laughs> Daniel, how many apple seeds are in there? Hurry up. Come on. We need something like do-do-do-do. Daniel's going to tell me how many seeds in there. So there's in one apple, there's one meal. If I had eight apples, I'd have eight, eight meals, whatever. There's just that's what there is. But in one apple, how many seeds? So five seeds. Five seeds. So if we took one of those seeds and planted it, we could have how many trees? One tree. After probably around four or five years, that tree would be healthy enough to produce fruit. Let's just say that that one seed could produce 100 apples in a year, just for round numbers, the harvest. So one seed then produces eight, 100 of these. And over 10 years, that would provide 1,000. So there would be 1,000 meals right there from one seed. Think about it a little bit more. But if you planted all five of these and they all grew, how many trees? And if they all did 100, one, two, three, four, five, how many hundred a, a year? 500 apples. You're like 500 people can eat now from one apple. They had five seeds. So that's 500. And then you did it for 10 years. That means 5,000 meals like that. 
And then you see the power of multiplication. Now, if you took just, so there's 5,000 after 10 years from those five. So we take just 10% of them and we plant them and there's 500 trees. And that means that there would be 50,000, or sorry, there would be 500 a year times 10 years is 5,000. And then if we took those and we planted 500 of them, then times 100 apples a year, there would be 50,000 apples a year. And did that for 10 years, there would be 500,000 from one apple with five seeds that became more. And you see the power of multiplication. And then you took another 10% of that 800,000 and big numbers, then it becomes 8 million. And over 10 years, there become 80 million in three to four generations from one apple. Or you can eat the apple and throw it away. The power of a seed. You can feed one, or we can have one, and it's gone. Or we can intentionally plant a seed and sow a seed. And God's power of multiplication, five one becomes five, five become a hundred, a hundred becomes five hundred, five hundred becomes five thousand, which becomes five hundred. Like the power of multiplication is in the seed. But will we sow and see what God will do? See, here's what happened. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. In Genesis 26, 13, it continues on. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Sow and reap a miracle harvest. God can grow what you sow. God can grow what you sow. We step up and he steps in miraculously. The power of multiplication is in the seed. This hundredfold term or uh, a return in the middle of a difficult time, in the middle of a hard time, no rain, nothing seems to be working for him, but God provides for him in different ways. He sowed in the worst of times and reaped incredible in the best harvest. While others around him seemed to reap scarce, he was abundantly blessed. Re because here's what it's about. Receive the blessing of the Lord. Why did it happen? When he planted his crops, the Lord blessed him. It's the blessing of the Lord. We remind ourselves that blessing is where God holds the power to cause things to happen in just a short time. And it says he begins to prosper. He continues to prosper. He becomes very prosperous. And over the course of time, one seed one apple becomes five seeds, which becomes hundreds, which becomes thousands, which becomes much, much more. In every area of your life, what you plant will grow. What you sow will grow. If you don't sow it, it can't grow. It can look nice. You can dry these and, and uh, talk about the potential and the beauty of the seed and these five little seeds, or you can say, I'm, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to follow your way and I'm going to plant because generosity is recognizing that Jesus is the Lord of my seed. He's the Lord of my harvest. He's the Lord of my field. He's the Lord of my future. And he asked me to sow. You know, when I have enough, I'll sow. We all have something to sow. We all have some ability, whether it's a small seed today we sow and believe that God will do and take care of what only God can do. 
But all of us can sow to different amounts. We can sow to different uh, ability, but we all are invited to participate in what God would call. If you're a young person and you're like, I don't know how I do this, do what God calls you to do. We've been saying this for uh, a little while about that we don't give in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says this, each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. But giving is sowing my seed by faith, not in my ability, not in, my, not in the, the economy, not in who's governed me, but in and through Jesus. Giving is a seeding for the miracle from which God, my source, will provide. He's provided a way, and one of the program of God is the sowing of seed. And giving is sowing in time of need, believing that giving the seed time to work, it will provide for me in the future I'm not yet walking into. Because you say, well, I'm, I'm just content with what I have. Believe God for more. Believe that God would pour out on your life more than you need so that you can be a blessing. It's about having a vision that's bigger than, than yourself. Someone say, is this a prosperity gospel? I don't think so. Is this a poverty gospel? I don't think so. I believe in a, pro, in a provision gospel, that God will give you and provide for you all that you need, not just for you, not just for your family, but certainly for that, but also so that you can be a seed sower into the world around you, that you can be a blessing to the world around you. And so when people say, I just want to have enough to, to survive on and eat my piece of bread, if you want to do that, you can. But let's believe that God would want to do more in you so that he can do some more through you, that glory could come to the name and the person of Jesus. That people... and. And we've been talking about this, all that you need for this season and all that you need for a season you've not stepped into yet. And we've been talking about all the stories because so many of you are so faithful in sowing. Stories that we've talked about over the last number of weeks about the impact of hampers, the impact of the, those with diverse abilities in Uganda receiving mobility, the impact of gifts to people who wouldn't have gotten gifts, the impact of food for people who in our city would not be getting food, the impact of planting a church in our, in our region, but also in Thailand over the last numbers of years. And we see all of these great stories, and it's wonderful. And we're thankful for the stories of God at work. And there's stories that are being told, some that you will hear, but some that you won't hear, because generations from now, the impact of the seed that went into the ground is going to outweigh your ability to look at it, because it's a ripple effect that goes out and beyond you. And a seed of food, a seed of goodness, a seed of the Word of God, a seed of God's goodness, a seed of God's kindness lands in someone's heart and it changes them and it changes the people that they're around and it changes their family. It changes their generation and generations from now are blessed because of the impact of a seed that landed in a heart. Last week we saw these two men talking here, Marvin and Josh. And Marvin talked about a revelation that came in his heart and the word of the Lord landed in his heart. And he said, God, I'm gonna take you at your word and I'm gonna believe what you are, who you say you are, and I'm gonna obey it. And it didn't just stay with him. 
The next generation is talking, God, I'm gonna take you at your word, and I'm gonna see that you would do what you would have. And it's not about them, and I know they would not want it to ever be about them. It's about trusting who Jesus is, trusting the way that he works, following his word, listening to his spirit, and then believing that he will do what he said he would do. We see this in every area of our life. We're willing to put money into the bank because we believe the seed principle works. It grows. Will we invest it into the kingdom of God? I know some of you love the stories, but I just want to give some of the numbers. Globally, regionally, and locally. And then I'll be done. In Thailand, we partner with business people in the Thai churches to plant 33 churches a year. 33 churches in 2023, seen many hundreds come to Jesus through personal evangelism and discipleship of the Thai church. Takes about $10,000 a year to do that. To Nigeria and Ghana, we're partnering with national leaders and we support about 24 rural pastors impacting approximately 1,500 people. Seeing people want to Jesus, be empowered to be agents of change because the gospel is being preached in their area. About $20,000 a year to do that. In Uganda, partnering with Father's Heart Mobility with the goal this year of supporting the Maguanya family who are leading that ministry that raises the esteem and the capability among those with diverse abilities through the church. Today, they have seen over 20,000 people receive mobility and hundreds of families come to know Jesus. We're going to believe God for $5,000 there. Regionally, we partnered in 2020, we partnered with Nick and Sarah Arkley to plant Numa Church in South Surrey. And this next year, they're going to be transitioning to be a charter church from moving from being a few group of people who bravely started a church in the middle of a pandemic and believed that God, the God who called them would do it. And they've been slowly, slowly growing. They now have kids' ministry. They now have small groups and are seeing people one to Jesus and discipled for Jesus in our city. I would have clapped by now, but that's just me. But thank God that they were obedient and we partnered with them to get them going. And we have a campus in Princeton led by Jen and Praxis Borja that was started with little to nothing in 2020, just before a pandemic. Not an ideal time. Talk about hard times to plant a church in a town that, you, that we had never had a church in and with people who were new to the, to the community in the middle of a pandemic, and you can't talk to anybody. But over the last number of years, they continue to grow. I think there was about six people when they first started, and now we're up around 30 plus in weekly attendance, and we've been consistent. Yeah. Jen and Praxis have been working so hard, ministering in the community, recently started children's ministry, uh, and someone's willing to do that. Outreaches to migrant workers in Karaminas, uh, doing missions locally within their region already. Uh, seeing salvation, seeing discipleship, seeing people come to know Jesus, learning to hear his voice because of your sowing of seed. Locally, looking to, well, we already are spend about this much, about $53,000, and that's for uh, Christmas hampers where we provide a Christmas dinner and meals for a couple of weeks, which works out to, by the number of hampers, about 5,000 meals worth of food coming up. Costs about $180 a hamper if you want to sponsor one. Partnering with the City Dream Center, we, have, we purchase gifts for about 600 kids, most who would not get a gift otherwise. 
partnering with City Dream Center with weekend hampers to feed people that in our city don't have food for their kids on the weekend. I mean, that over the course of the year is about 25,000 meals. About cost us about $20,000 because of the great partnership that we have with the Dream Center. So you could sponsor a weekend for $500 or you could sponsor a f- one hamper for $25. We also partner with Night Shift Street Ministries and feed a, about 2,500 meals over the course of the year. And the beautiful thing about that is we provide the food and there's people there that are ministering to people, sharing the, the love of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, providing counseling, helping them to come to know Jesus, pointing them in the right direction. And we have Night to Shine, which is our wonderful, in this room, in our whole campus, a beautiful event that's coming up in February. We talked about it a few weeks ago, this event which is celebrating and honoring people with diverse abilities and ministering to them and letting them know that they're loved by God. That costs about $6,000 to put on. All told, about $98,000. That's it. And I share these numbers, and we've shared the stories. Literally tens of thousands of people impacted on an annual basis by your generosity and your willingness to sow seed. But here's the thing. The impact is not just felt in one year. It's multi-generational. It's flowing out from. It's going beyond. Because here's the reality. It's not always easy. But every number has a name. And every name has a story. And every story matters to God. The seed of God's goodness lands and it ripples out. And as a church, we are engaged in the most important thing in the world. Things that have eternal value and eternal significance. Reaching people and seeing lives touched with the transforming power of the grace and the love of our Jesus. And Paul in Galatians 6, 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest a blessing if we don't give up. It's hard times if we don't give up. Why did Paul write this? Because when you face hard times, you're tempted to withdraw and back up and give up and quit. When you feel the inner stress is going to overwhelm you, you might be tempted to give up being generous of seeing something through to harvest. But Paul says, don't give up, don't quit, don't stop. Remember why you're doing this so that you can reap a harvest that there will be a legacy and an inheritance for Jesus that goes beyond just what we see with our eyes. It goes beyond a cup of warm soup. It goes beyond a meal. It goes beyond a pastor standing in a pulpit in Nigeria or Ghana. It goes beyond someone receiving just a wheelchair. We do all those good works, and we're grateful that we get to do it. But ultimately, it's what Matthew 5 and 16 says. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven, that he would get the glory, that Jesus would be glorified in the world. Our part, we step up, but God's part is stepping in. And we do our part, and we know that God will do his part. And we step up in hard times. In a world gone crazy, now is the time more than ever, to let our light shine. And let us not give up being generous in hard times. Let us not retreat in fear because of what's happening around us or maybe even in your own life right now and withdraw into some holy huddle of the chosen frozen. Let's shine a light of life 
that those far from God struggling to discern purpose and meaning for their life would sense and know and experience the great love of our Jesus. Let's shine a light that tells the marginalized that God sees you and knows you and loves you. Let's shine a light to the hope that the hope of Jesus would blow through and break bonds of addiction. Let's shine a light that breaks the power of darkness binding people. Let's shine a light of purpose to the confused in this generation. Let's shine a light because there's an unchanging mission for an ever-changing world. Let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. In a moment, Daniel is going to come and talk about how we're going to take up our offering. For some of you, your greatest challenge and your greatest point of obedience over this next year is to begin to tithe. And tithe is not, it just simply means tenth, to give a tenth to the Lord. It's not the end of your giving, it's the beginning of your giving. For some of you, you're going to start you're saying, Pastor, I'm not going to start tithing yet. I'm not there yet. I'll, you leave that with you and the Lord. But maybe you're going to, instead of being an occasional or emotional giver, you're going to start being a regular giver. For some of you, you're going to give above the tithe for the very first time and trust God and sow seed beyond what you come in. And some of you have the outrageous gift of giving where you give generously and extravagantly. You don't just have an apple in your hand. You don't just have provision for today. But that we would see that in every one of us, God supplies both seed for the sower and bread for the eater. He provides my needs, and he also puts in some for my future in the seed. Both for your future, if you're married and have a family, for your family, but also for the purpose of God in your life. I invite you to just bow your head for a moment, and we're going to pray. Jesus, as I said, we want to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, but cheerfully in response to the Spirit of the Lord. And Lord, any place where people feel a pressure that's not from you, the conviction of your Holy Spirit, Lord, we thank you that you give us a heart to hear and to obey you. So, Lord, we want to listen and do and respond how you've called us to respond in this area of legacy. And, Lord, we're in any place where there's shame around this, in the name of Jesus, thank you that that's not of you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. Lord, for people in hard times, right now, Lord, we don't pretend that it's not hard at times, but we look to you, Jesus, that you're the provider for jobs and better jobs. You're the provider for housing. You're the provider for all our needs according to your riches and glory. You're the provider of the wisdom to get out of stuck positions. You're the provider for hope. You're the provider. Thank you, Lord, for those that are receiving right now that they would receive it as it is given, as a gift from Jesus. 
as part of all of our responsibility to care for those around us, those in need. And Lord, I pray that over this next year that there will be a great harvest of seed from the seeds that will get sown. Thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that are in the room of people who have seen you move in their, on their behalf, who have seen you supply their needs, who have seen you bless them, who have seen you provide work and jobs and got them to this country. However, Lord, we've seen you show up. We're so grateful. And help us to respond, Lord, out of a great love for you and your call to us. In the strong name of Jesus, amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.